Thanks for checking out this episode of the Screen Facts with Jason Davis podcast. Usually on Wednesdays, we put out a new episode where we talk about a movie. We share some fun trivia facts about the film during the conversation. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash screenfacts. Post your comments or questions. Tweet me at Jason Davis Voice. Email screenfacts at yahoo.com. Also, there are some different ways that you can listen to the podcast. If you want to find out all the different ways you can get us, go to jasondavisvoice.com slash podcast. Joining me on this episode is my brother from another mother, my best man, the one and only Tim Donnelly. Hello. Welcome back, sir. Thank you very much. Great to be here again. Great to have you, as always. It's great to be had. We're going to talk about a great, fun movie that didn't find its audience until video. Yeah, one of those. I mean, a movie that should have been a huge blockbuster success. Yeah, should have been. Should have been. And in its own right, eventually became a success. Yes. The movie we're going to talk about is The Princess Bride. Oh, yeah. One of my all-time favorites. It's a classic. Directed by Rob Reiner. Released October 9th, 1987. Starring Carrie Ellis. It's possible. Pig. Mandy Patinkin. You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Robin Wright. Yeah, I got nothing. Sorry. (laughs) Chris Sarandon. Humperdinck. Christopher Guest. My fingers go to 11. (laughs) Very nice. Andre the Giant. Anybody want a peanut? (laughs) Wallace Shawn. Inconceivable. (laughs) Billy Crystal. They're closed. Carol Kane. Liar. (laughs) Peter Falk. Yes, you're very smart. Now shut up. And Fred Savage. See, I told you she wouldn't marry Humperdinck. Wow, that was good, man. Thanks. So the book... And screenplay, written by William Goldman, mm-hmm. an estimated budget of $16 million, and it grossed just about $31 million. I never knew that. Yeah. That it only grossed about $31 million domestically. Yeah, you know, the problem with this movie, unfortunately, was that the studio didn't know how to market it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I can get that. I can sure. understand that when you watch the movie. It's so right. many things. Yeah, you know? is it a comedy? Is it a fantasy? Is it a drama? Is it an adult movie? Is it a kid's movie? It's, right. Yeah, and you're right. It's a little bit of all of these things, which I think makes it special. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's all it's, things to all people. It really is. And it, to me, it's become almost like uh, Wizard of Oz. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Classic status. And uh, you said that it didn't really find its audience until home video, much like the first podcast I ever participated in with you, one of our all-time favorites, Shawshank Redemption. That's right. Let me ask you this before we, we get into all of the nuts and bolts and the trivia and our favorite lines and such. Mm-hmm. Did you see this in the theaters? No way. Nor did I. We're going back to 1987. Right. I was uh, a sophomore in high school, and you know I was into movies like RoboCop. I was a big Schwarzenegger fan. I would go see his movies all the time on opening weekend with my friends. This movie probably wouldn't have been on my radar. Okay. I, I honestly don't remember this movie coming out in theaters. Nor do I. And I don't even think I saw it on video. I probably saw it when it first came to HBO. I'm like, what is this? The Princess Bride? <laughs> Some silly, stupid... Uh, okay, fine. I'll sit down and watch it because I'm bored and I have nothing to do. And I'm like, oh my God. I have to this agree with you. This movie is awesome. I have to agree with you. Uh, this is not a movie that I probably would have... Uh, uh, looked for yeah like if i saw a trailer for this it probably wouldn't have been something that went oh yeah i can't wait to see that yeah yeah but yeah it's a great movie and and it, it had been a while since i had seen it before watching it for the podcast and boy it, it really it's there, amazingly there, good ah uh, there is not as far as i'm concerned there's not a false note in the entire movie yeah it's perfectly cast and i dare say from start to finish mm-hmm. might get about as close to a perfect movie as I can think of. I think you could definitely say that because like you said, it has so many different elements. Yes. It's beautifully written. Yes. I didn't read the book personally. I don't know if you ever No, read I didn't book. read the book either. The book is supposed the to be books, very good. What too. are those? Yeah. It's where, where, do, where do you put the batteries in that? 
Well, it's funny because Rob Reiner was a big fan of the book, and mm. he wasn't the first guy that tried to make this movie. Yes, uh, that's a lot right. of people that's tried, right. and and it was one of those movies that took a long time to get to the screen because sure. they, nobody could figure out how to make it. Right? How do you translate this from the book to the screen? Not an easy task. Yeah, exactly. One of the reasons I was excited to do this podcast with you and see the movie again was because I listened to the audio book. Carrie Ellis wrote a book. Right. As You Wish. The full title of Carrie Ellis's book is As You Wish, Inconceivable Tales from the Making of the Princess Bride. <laughs> As You Wish and Inconceivable. There yeah, you go. exactly. It's mostly him on the audio book, mm-hmm. but he also has contributions from most of the cast. Okay. William Goldman. Rob Reiner, nice. Norman Lear, who was one of the producers. Wow. Pretty much everybody involved in the movie, more right. or less, except for Andre the Giant, who's gone, unfortunately. Right, who has since passed. Yeah. And Peter Falk as well. Right. I highly recommend the book, either reading the book or getting the audiobook. The audiobook's great. You gave that to me, and it's Carrie Elwes right. reading his book. Exactly. Which is pretty friggin' cool. Yeah, so imagine sitting down with Carrie Elwes for 12 hours, not <laughs> right. all at once, obviously, right. Right. and him just telling you how just, this movie came right, about. Right, just talks to you about The Princess Bride. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. So if you're a fan of the movie, I highly recommend you check that out. So uh, nominated for an Oscar for Best Original Song for Willie DeVille's song Storybook Love. Mm-hmm. Mark Knopfler's score was also nominated for a Grammy. Yeah, Dire Straits, baby. Yeah, Knopfler agreed to score the movie on the condition that Rob Reiner put the hat that he wore in This Is Spinal Tap somewhere in the movie. <laughs> Marty DeBerge's hat. Yeah, Marty DeBerge's hat. <laughs> it's one of those things that you can look for next time you watch the movie when they do the scenes in Fred Savage's bedroom. in the kid's bedroom. bedroom. Yeah. Yep, yeah. It's hanging on, like, you know, behind him on the wall. Wow. Imagine that. That was the only condition. Mark Knopfler said, sure, I'll score the movie, <laughs> but you got to put your hat in the movie. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. <laughs> This was kind of the breakthrough for Carrie Elwes as well. Yeah. Um, he had done a couple of other things, you know, smaller films. Mm-hmm. The first this. thing I really, I, I ever remember seeing him in, and I will forever associate Carrie Elwes with The Princess Bride. Oh, and, and he talks about that at length in his book. Sure. That, and he's, and he's grateful, actually, about it. You know, yeah. some actors and actresses, and we've talked about this on, on other episodes of the podcast, they don't want to be remembered only for their iconic roles. Like, sure. The, the first person that comes to mind is Tom Wilson from Back to the Future. Doesn't mm-hmm. want to be Biff forever. Right. Dude, right. be grateful yep. that you are known for something that, embrace that, it, man. that people gr- embrace like em- that. You embrace know? it. You know, a lot of actors, look, easy for me to say because right. I'm not an actor, but if you're lucky enough to have one iconic role right. in your career... And I don't mean any disrespect to Tom Wilson because I'm actually a big fan. I, yes. I'm a fan of his other work that he's done. Sure. I'm a fan of his stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, I've talked about him a lot on the show. And But my understanding is that he doesn't like signing Back to the Future stuff if people meet him. Oh, okay. And I, I don't know. I feel like that's a big part of who you are, man. Yeah. You know, that's a great thing to be associated with. Carrie Elwes, the point is that he embraces being Wesley in this movie. As well he should. He's, yeah. he's amazing. He's great in the role. He is. Every, everybody in the movie is great at what they do. Perfectly cast. Yeah. It's actually interesting how he started out in the business. He was a production assistant behind the cameras before he went in front of the cameras. Really? He worked on Octopussy, the James Bond film, when he was 18. Okay. I mean, that's one of the things that he did. We're going back to, I think, uh, For Your Eyes Only was 1981. I want to say Octopussy was 1983. Yeah, somewhere in that. In between For Your Eyes Only and A View to a Kill. Yeah. Carrie Elwes is British, right? Yes. He is British. Yes, he is. Okay. Robin Wright is not. Carrie Ellis was always very uh, amazed at how well she did a British accent. Right, 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 right. But And he was also very smitten with her, too, when they uh, first I, met. I can see why. Yes. I they were actually why. pretty smitten with each other because they were very both very young. She was 20 okay. when they were filming. He was about 23, I think. It shows in yeah. the movie. The, the chemistry between them is undeniable. It works. Yeah, absolutely. 
Robin Wright was uh, one of the last people that was cast. The princess. Yeah. Buttercup. They had a hard time. You know, they they were trying to find, obviously, you're trying to find the perfect people for this. Yes. And, you know, the way Goldman wrote the book, she's the most beautiful woman ever. Now, listen, is Robin Wright the most beautiful woman ever? I can't really argue that one way or the other. She's pretty beautiful in the movie. Most definitely. But it took them about six months to find her. Okay. At the time, she was working on a soap opera, Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara. And what they ended up working out a deal where they made her sign on for like an extra year. So she had to extend her contract for a year yeah. in order to be able to do this movie. Yeah. I think it worked out in her favor. Yeah, I don't think she regrets that at I think all. She's, the, she's the big winner here. Yeah, exactly. Now, of course, she's on uh, House of Cards on Netflix, yeah, which yeah, I don't yeah, watch, yeah. but I hear she's amazing She's uh, Yeah, she's insanely great on House of Cards. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the iconic lines in the movie. There's so many of them. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Prepare to die. I love when he uh, keeps saying it over and over again, and Christopher Guest gets pissed. <laughs> right, like, right. Would you stop yeah, saying stop that? Stop saying that. <laughs> Manny Patinkin, I think he did an interview with New York Magazine a few years back, 2012, mm-hmm. 2013, and he said uh, that people quote that back to him like two or three times a day. Just strangers walk up to him and quote <laughs> that line, and he loves it. Yeah, Carrie Ellis has the same thing with As You Wish. Right, right, right. Pretty much every time he goes out to eat. Sure, sure. You know, when he takes when they take his order, As right. You Wish. Right, I'd like the blah, 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 As You Wish. Yeah, but there, exactly. <laughs> as but You there Wish. Was, but there was a uh, one girl in particular who had As You Wish tattooed like on her neck or something no way. and uh and then she wanted him to sign by the quote oh and then she was wow. gonna get that tattooed in oh, oh his signature tattoo yeah that's very cool yeah oh, that's it's, great it's really cool i mean listen there's obviously a lot of actors that are known for their catchphrases sure or whatever but for a little movie that could yes you know to have lines like that yeah that people quote back like that as you wish so good so good <laughs> We got to talk about Andre the Giant. Moment of silence. God rest his soul. Andre, man, the the guy is a legend. Were you into WWF back in the day? God, yes. You know what I'm talking about. I was super into it back in the day when Andre wrestled. Yes. And Hulk Hogan was at his peak. Yeah. Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Big John Stud. Oh, yeah. The Macho Man. Oh, yeah. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah, baby. Yeah, all the all the greats. Brutus Beefcake, Nikolai Volkov, the Iron Sheik, oh. Sergeant Slaughter. Oh. Bam! Yeah. I mean, there were so many great guys back then, and it was always good versus evil. Oh, yeah. Nothing quite like wrestling during the Cold War. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. You know, Andre, of course, was literally and, and figuratively the biggest of them yes, all. Yes, I mean, he, he was. Just, Andre he was the legendary. Giant from Grenoble, France. That's right. He said. That's right. But, you know, Andre was known worldwide for being a wrestler. He right. was on the road 300-some-odd days a year mm-hmm. wrestling, and so it was really hard to even get him at first. Right. And he really wasn't an actor, per se. Sure, and and he wasn't even the first choice to play the role of Fezzik the Giant. That's true. Arnold Schwarzenegger was... <laughs> was what, <laughs> he was uh, the, the person that they were originally talking about. Yes. I mean, listen, Andre's great. Yeah, He's he is. He's great in the movie. You know, he'd done some TV stuff. He was on right. Six Million Dollar Man and Sasquatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he did like BJ and the Bear oh my or something God, like that. I remember those shows. Yeah, you know. <laughs> wow. But he wasn't really known for acting, so sure. it was kind of cool how they helped him learn his lines. Rob Reiner actually made a recording, an audio recording, where he recorded all of Andre's lines mm-hmm. and sort of like how he wanted him to say them. Oh, wow. 
And Andre would just kind of walk around on set with headphones. With the earphones in yeah. and just, wow, that's great. Yeah, and, and, and it just it worked out really well. Yeah. Again, a perfect piece of casting if uh, he really is the kind of the, the ultimate gentle giant yeah. in the movie. He's just so kind-hearted and so warm, and he loves his friends, and he's there for his friends, and mm-hmm. you want him on your side. Oh, absolutely. I am the Brute Squad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll call the Brute Squad. I'm on the Brute Squad. You are the Brute Squad. <laughs> <laughs> and Carrie Owens talks about, you know, how what a great guy he was. Yeah. Know, Didn't he, he feel, I, I've, I've heard stories about him that um, sometimes in public he, he was very self-conscious about his size and about people kind of staring at him and pointing at him like like he was a freak or something. By the time, you know, he made this movie, it probably wasn't as big of a deal. Mm-hmm. But he actually went out of his way to try to disarm people. Right. You know, he would call people boss. Everybody mm. was boss. Right. You know, so they would feel less intimidated. Right. Or this seven foot, you know, 300, 400 something pound Yeah, he guy. was like, like seven. Like, I think he was like seven, four, seven, five, and yeah. like four or 500 pounds. Yeah. I mean, the guy was enormous. Yeah, he's a big boy. And from what everybody says that talks about him, you think, oh, he's a giant. But mm-hmm. but you don't get the full scope until you're standing next to him. Right. And right. they talk, and, you know, Carrie always says, you know, Google. Andre the Giant hand and beer can. It looks like a little, right. you know, the beer Dixie can cup. disappears yeah. in his hand. Yeah, and it, there was another story where at one point Robin Wright was a little cold on the set mm-hmm. when they were shooting one of the scenes. It was colder, right? So he would like just put his hand on her head, just kind of <laughs> to keep her warm. Right, would cover her head, yeah. and the warmth yeah. from his hand would, would would warm her. Yeah, they talk about his diet, what he would eat and drink and drink, man. Unbelievable. That would kill a regular sized person. Exactly. But he felt very comfortable and at ease with everyone on the set of Princess Bride. He didn't feel yeah. like like an outcast or an outsider or a freak. He just he he fit right in and he embraced everyone and everyone embraced him and it was great. When you hear the cast of this movie, especially in the in, in Carrie Ellis's book, talking about the experience, it's a love fest. Yes. And it shows their camaraderie yeah. and the love it shows on screen. Uh, absolutely. It shows on screen. Absolutely. So, uh, as you probably expected, most of the movie was filmed on location in England. Jolly old England. Yes. Uh, the castle used for the film was Haddon Hall. Dates back to before 1087. Ah. The tapestries in Haddon Hall interiors are original, dating to the late medieval and renaissance periods. Fancy, fancy. Yes. Jolly good. <laughs> so, it's actually not a real castle. Mm-hmm. They built it up a little bit to look like a castle. Have fun storm in the castle. <laughs> Billy Crystal. I mean, for the, for the little bit that he's in this movie, he's just amazing. Oh, he, st- he steals the scenes that he's in as uh, Miracle Max. I realize I am a really big Billy Crystal fan. Yes. Not just from this movie, all of his movies. Yeah, from from way back. And his stand-up. And stand-up and uh, Saturday Night Live yep. going way back. He's such a talented guy. Yeah, he is. The cool thing about his look for this movie is that he kind of wanted it to be based on people. So right. he asked the makeup artist to make Miracle Max look like my grandmother and Casey Stengel. <laughs> That's a hell of a combination. Yeah. So Max and Valerie were the characters' names. Mm-hmm. Billy Crystal and the great Carol Kane. Right. They were named after uh, William Goldman's parents. Nice. So a nice, nice little shout-out. A little out. inside info. Yeah. There's physical comedy, there's fencing, there's fighting, there's action, there's running, there's jumping. Mm-hmm. The only injury I think that Mandy Patinkin sustained mm-hmm. was, didn't he bruise his rib or something from trying to stifle laughter from Billy Crystal? Yeah. It, it got to be so bad in that scene that Rob Reiner had to leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> I think they ended up having to use a dummy 
Because Carrie Elwes couldn't keep it together laying really? on the table. Right, because he's supposed to be kind of knocked out on the table. Oh, right. it's right. When, he's, uh, he's mostly he's mostly he's dead. He's mostly dead. Mostly dead. He's, he's partly alive. Yes, right. This is noble, sir. His family's like, boy, are you a rotten liar. <laughs> and, and you can see, I think, in that scene that Mandy Patinkin is very clearly trying not to laugh. Yeah. He goes, this is noble, sir. Yeah. He's, he's trying not to laugh. Yeah. It's, it's got to be really hard. I mean, listen, Billy Crystal is funny. Mm-hmm. Without all that makeup, yeah, he's just right. He's funny on his own, yeah. but you make him up, and ah, so good. Yeah, <laughs> rodents of unusual size. <laughs> I don't think they exist. <laughs> yeah, that whole uh, sequence in the fire swamp is great. Yes, you know, obviously the rodents, the R O U S S, would right, be the R O U S S, as they call them. They obviously would be done with digital effects. With yeah, CGI they'd be CGI now. today, probably. You know, but in 1987, they used little people in in suits. Right. Right. They kind of had a problem. We told a drinking story about Andre the Giant. What about the guy who was supposed to be in the scene wrestling Carrie Elwes in the rat suit? There? So there was a specific little person actor, mm-hmm. Danny Blackner, who was going to be the, the guy in the rodent suit that Carrie Elwes wrestles because mm-hmm. he was a stuntman. Right. It might have even been a union thing. So the day they were going to shoot the scene, he's a no-show on the set. Oops. They're waiting around. They're like, oh, we got to get this done today because <laughs> we can't come back to this Set tomorrow. Right. So they're freaking out. So they start shooting film of Carrie Ellis wrestling a rubber rat. Right. And it's just, it's disastrous. It's completely disastrous. Just they're like, there's no disaster. way we're going to be able to use this. It's terrible. Right. So where was Danny Blackner? So as it turned out, the night before he had been drinking, he got uh-huh. pulled over by a cop. Whoops. He spent the night in jail. When he gets pulled over, he says, well, you can't put me in jail because I have a job. I'm a working actor and I have to right. be on set tomorrow. Oh, yeah, what are you playing? I'm playing a rat. A rat. All right, get in the car. <laughs> You're under arrest. <laughs> yeah. So he ended up spending the night in jail. He gets there later in the day. They're able to shoot the scene, but it was a close call. It was, it's really a funny story wow. when, when he tells it in it's the book. good stuff. Yeah. And that scene was even more of a challenge. A lot of the stuff in the movie was a challenge because Carrie Elwes actually got injured, not during filming, mm. thanks to Andre the Giant. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot, Andre. Yeah. Andre needed an ATV to get around on location because sure. climbing hills and everything right. else, he just couldn't do it. So they, they got him an ATV, and, and it was something that I think he used on his property, too. So he was very experienced with it and all mm-hmm. that. And he kept trying to get Carrie Elwes to get on it. Come on, boss, ride it, you right, know. Right, 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 right. No, 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 no. And eventually he gives in, he gets on the thing, and his foot gets stuck between a clutch and right. a rock or something. He breaks the big toe on his left foot. Oops. And he tried to hide the injury from Rob Reiner at first. Makes sense. I'd he's probably like, do the same. Yeah, because he's thinking, I'm, this, I'm a young actor. You don't want to be replaced. Yeah, I'm going to lose this gig. Yep. And then, of course, Rob Reiner finds out. They worked around it. But the scene right before she throws him down the hill. As you wish. He sits down kind of awkwardly. And he puts his leg out weird. Mm. He's clearly. Okay. And when he's running, it's all. With an injured foot. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, that's tough, too. Good on you, Carrie. Yeah. So the sword fighting in this movie, of course, is a big part of it. Yeah, love the sword fighting in the movie. Are you kidding? Fencing, fighting, (laughs) true love. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let's talk about the sword fight. So in the book, it's described as the greatest sword fight in modern times. Capital G, capital S, capital M, capital T. That's right. Mandy Patinkin and Carrie Elwes had no experience fencing. Mm. Now, you have fenced. I have. 
I have. You have coached fencing. I have. I fenced for two years in high school, and I've coached fencing for almost 15 years. So I, I know a little thing or two. What are your thoughts on the fencing scenes in this movie? Uh, they are some of my favorite scenes in the movie because it's obvious that the two guys practiced and trained and they know their stuff. You can watch those fencing scenes and you can pick out, okay, that move, that move, that move, that attack, that parry, that thrust, that guard, yes. And when they're describing the different uh, defenses and all that, that's real stuff. Yeah, that's that's absolutely 100% real stuff. So they actually trained eight hours a day. Yeah. For a few months before they started filming, and then even while they were filming, and that, by the way, that was five days a week, mm-hmm. while they were filming, every possible second that they yeah. weren't being in front of the cameras they were off practicing they were yeah 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 the sword fighting it would be cut and then they would the guys that were training them all right come on over yep so they worked really hard now you got to remember they had to learn how to fence lefty and right that's right and to do it that well pretty amazing because i know something you don't know (laughs) i am not left-handed something i forgot to tell you i'm not left-handed either (laughs) that's right lefty and righty not easy to do not only is it not easy to do it's not easy to do it and make it look so natural. Oh, yeah. So I think if you watch the both of them fence and fight, you honestly can't tell whether or not they are right or left-handed. That's true. They do such a great job. And they really wanted to be the guys doing it. Yeah. They didn't want to have stunt people yeah, doing it. Yeah, no stunt doubles. It's really Mandy Patinkin and Carrie Elwes. Yeah, the only time uh, a stunt double is used in that big scene is the gymnastics. The gymnastics stuff. flip the bar. And yeah. The, yeah, 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 yeah. But they worked with two legends in the industry, Peter Diamond and Bob Anderson. Yep. Between them, they had been in the Olympics. They worked with the actors for Lord of the Rings, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Choreographing lightsaber fights for Star Wars. Yeah, and even they coached uh, Errol Flynn and Burt Lancaster. Yeah, the guys that were known for that swashbuckling stuff. So they, they know their stuff, these guys, Peter Diamond and Bob Anderson. Yeah, so they worked with them all this time. They busted their asses to get this fight scene together. So then they show Rob Reiner. He's like, that's it? That's it. <laughs> Bust their ass. <laughs> it turned out that what they had initially worked on mm-hmm. was only like a minute or so, or a minute and a half. Wow. And he needed it to be longer because it's supposed to be the greatest sword fight in modern times, right? Right, right. So they worked a little bit harder, obviously. Mm-hmm. They re-choreographed some stuff, and they ended up getting a three-minute and ten-second mm. fight. In there. And it's a great three-minute and ten-second fight. Oh, it's fight. amazing. You remember, of course, that when you're watching a movie and you see a three-minute and ten-second sword fight... It did not take them three minutes and ten seconds to film that sword fight. Oh, obviously not. How long did those guys have to do that? How long did it take them to film that sequence? They took about a week or so to film from all the different angles. Mm -hmm. And at one point, they actually had to change something in the scene because the camera wasn't picking up something right. Right. And they were like, oh, wait, we'll we'll, we'll change it. And Rob Reiner's like, oh, we, we can't. We don't have time. No, let, give us a minute. We'll figure it out. Right. And they, they worked with Diamond and Anderson, and they ended up re-choreographing part of the scene where they go up the steps. Mm-hmm. And not only is the sword fight itself great, but the dialogue and the banter and the yeah. interplay between the two of them leading up to the sword fight. Oh, it's awesome. When he cuts the rope, he's like, uh, you know, I don't suppose you could speed things up. <laughs> like, Look, this really isn't as easy as it looks. So, you know, you can either keep talking to me or you throw down a rope or some make yourself useful in yeah. some way, please. The cliffs of insanity. The cliffs of insanity. And then uh, right before the sword fight, another one of my, my favorite lines in the movie says, well, are you ready? And Carrie always says, well, whether I am or not, you've been more than fair. He says, you seem a decent fellow. I hate to kill you. And Carrie always says, and you seem a decent fellow. I hate to die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. I love it. There really was a Dread Pirate Roberts, too. Black Bart. Yep. 
supposedly he was like the most successful pirate of all time. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if his story is the way it is in the movie, but interesting that, that it's a real guy. Okay. And at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. who becomes the next Dread Pirate Roberts? Inigo Montoya. Very good. Yes, sir. I've been in the revenge business so long, now I don't know what to do with the rest <laughs> right. of my life. Ooh, you ever considered piracy? Like a fine Dread Pirate Roberts. As You Wish is said seven times, four by Wesley, three by the grandfather. Okay. Inconceivable is said five times. Mm-hmm. And the famous, my name is Inigo Montoya. Six times. Six times. Can we talk a little bit about uh, Inconceivable and the the great character actor Wallace Shawn as Vincini? Yeah. He wasn't the first choice to play the role. Wow. Originally, they were considering Danny DeVito and Richard Dreyfuss. All right. I get that. Danny DeVito I could definitely see, especially since he's supposed to be Sicilian. Right. Wallace Shawn is uh, is, a Jew from New York. (laughs) And I'm saying that that's what he said. Right. Right. His Um, own words. Yeah, his own words. And he was really nervous during filming because all along he didn't think he was right for the part. He thought he was going to be replaced. Oh, wow. Because his agent told him that he wasn't the first choice. What kind of a fucking agent tells his client? (laughs) Wow. Thanks for the pep talk, pal. exactly. Thanks a lot. Exactly. He's brilliant in the movie. Yeah, he is. And it's funny because I forgot that he's not in it for that long. Right, right. But what he's in, kind of like Billy Crystal, I think mm-hmm. uh, Wallace Shawn almost he steals the scenes that he's in. Oh, no doubt. So funny. Yeah, you know, you forget that he gets killed earlier on. Right. Because he, he's so impactful in the movie. Right. For some reason, I, I thought I remembered him being part of the storming of the castle. Right, but he's not. No. He's got some of my favorite lines in the oh, movie. Oh, yeah. Inconceivable alone is iconic. Yeah. Let me put it to you this way. You ever heard of Plato, Aristotle, Socrates? Yes. Morons. <laughs> we, I think we actually said that on a previous podcast. <laughs> I think we did, too. You're trying to trick me into giving away something. It won't work. It has worked. You've given everything away. <laughs> I know where the poison is. Then make your choice. I will, and I choose. <gasps> what in the world can that be? And then he switches yeah. guys and goes, yeah, that whole sequence is awesome. Carrie always says, what's so funny? And while Sean goes, I'll tell you in a minute. <laughs> First, let's drink me from my glass and you from yours. Wink. <laughs> you guessed wrong. You only think I guessed wrong. That's what's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> you fell victim to one of the classic blunders, the first being never get involved in a land war in Asia. <laughs> but the second, only less commonly known, is never going against a Sicilian when death is on the line. <laughs> Thud. It's awesome. awesome so, uh, so anyway, sorry. No, got no, me, that's got great. Me on a roll, man. No, got no, a roll. that's a great scene. I love that sequence. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. He didn't fall. Inconceivable. But you keep using the word. I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> So, you know, actors, a lot of the times when they're doing a scene in a movie, obviously they're channeling real experiences of their life. Yes. We go back to what you said before about how, you know, obviously it didn't take them three minutes to film the fencing scene. Right, right. Any scene in a movie is shot uh, multiple, multiple times, times from yeah. multiple angles, from multiple coverage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's they want to cover it from different angles. And every time they, they change the angle, they got to change the lighting. Right, 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 right. Think about that for a minute. When... An actor or an actress has to really bring up all kinds of emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. I admire actors and actresses that you forget when you're watching a movie, oh, they're crying. That's They probably did that like, you, you know. You might be looking at the 10th take or the 20th take or who knows, yeah. And they have to keep kind of going to that deep well of emotion and they have to draw on something exactly. to go there. The reason I brought that up is because Manny Patinkin said that he really related to Inigo's quest to avenge his father's death his actual father died of cancer in 1972 mm. so that was the way he got to that place with right. how how much pain and suffering he right. felt for losing his father in the movie right 
And when he kills Christopher Guest, Count Rugen. Count Rugen, he said that it felt like he was killing the cancer that killed his father. Wow. Which I think is very cool. Wow. That's heavy stuff, man. Yeah. The scene is actually very cool, too, because he tells the story of how Rugen killed his father. Right. But he didn't kill me. But he gave me this. He gave me this. Yeah. And the, this. The two scars. The scars, on, the his scars face. on his face. Before he kills Rugen in the movie, he does the same he thing to him. He does the exact same thing to him, you know. Very cool. Give me money. <sighs> Promise me power, too. Give me everything I ask for. Really? Such a great scene. Uh, it's great brilliant. scene. And, and if you, you allow yourself to be sucked into it, uh, it's a very emotionally powerful scene, mm-hmm. too, when he finally confronts Count Rugen at yeah. the end. Especially since he's almost looks like he's going to die. Yeah. Because, you know, Rugen throws the dagger in, into his stomach. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm father. Sorry, father. I failed you. And then he finds the strength. And after he stabs Rugen, he looks at Rugen. And the final thing he says to him is, I want my father back, you son of a bitch. Right. Ooh. That's oh, good. Oh, so it's good. Great stuff. So and, good. And again, we got we to gotta go back to Christopher Guest. He is known primarily for comedy. Yeah. But he's so good. There's funny things in the movie that he does. Right. But he's really a bad guy in this movie. Yes, he is. I've just sucked one year of your life away. Yeah. Now, remember, this is for posterity, so be honest. Yeah. And Carrie always goes, hmm. And I think Christopher Guest says, hmm, interesting. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> and if you haven't got your health, you haven't got anything. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So, Princess Bride. Certainly stands the test of time. Hard to believe it's going to be 30 next year. Wow. I wonder if they're going to do any kind of a special thing for the 30th anniversary. Oh, no. They uh, should bring it back into theaters. If they do, man. I'll go. We are all over that. I want to see that on the big screen. I'd like to correct a past mistake, and I'd like to go see The Princess Bride in the theater. Yes, me too. I agree. And again, if you get a chance, either read the book or pick up the audio book, Carrie Ois, As You Wish. Mm-hmm. Inconceivable Tales from the Making of the Princess Bride. It's Great stuff. Uh, it's awesome. It's really cool. Tim, thanks for uh, for coming in. I really appreciate you taking the time. As, as always, brother, truly my pleasure. Uh, lots of fun. All right, man. Thank you, too, for listening. We appreciate it. And uh, remember to like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash screenfacts. Let us know if you have a favorite scene in the movie that maybe we didn't talk about or if you have any other comments. Again, you can tweet me at Jason Davis Voice. You can email us screenfacts at yahoo.com. If you want to show your support for the show, you can order merchandise on the podcast page of jasondavisvoice.com. We have t-shirts, we have hoodies, we have magnets, all kinds of stuff. Show theme music by audionautics.com. Thanks to our announcer, Kim McKay from kimsvoice.com. Screen Facts with Jason Davis is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Visit jasondavisvoice.com if you need a voice for a commercial, narration, promo, internet video, e-learning or training program, and more. Click on the podcast page to get information about where you can download and listen to past episodes. Listen again next Wednesday for a new episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis.